It's that time, America. Your very own nationally award-winning family radio talk show. Let's Talk America with host Shayla Thornton is set to air now. We feature the trending news stories, the timely interviews you want to hear, and the hottest music in the industry. This show truly is news talk for everyone. Let others know right now that you're tuned in to quality news talk that matters. You're listening to Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton. The broadcast begins now, now, now. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the national award-winning program, Let's Talk America, with host Shana Thornton. Of course, I'm Shana, and I happily welcome you to a new episode of our program. Now, we do aim to offer high-quality and professional news talk in a very crowded industry. Now, if this happens to be your very first time tuning in, we gladly welcome you to Let's Talk America Radio. And do note that you can listen in again and again at your convenience. Say that you need to get off of the episode before we've completed. No worries. You can catch our podcast episodes 24 hours a day. Simply visit ltaradio.com. You can visit ltaradio.com. Or you can visit blogtalkradio.com and simply search Shana Thornton or Let's Talk America Radio. We do present versatile content for a very modern and savvy listening audience. Of course, that's you. We do present exclusive interviews on so many diverse topics out there, and those topics are important to you. Now, we often have experts and advocates, and all of them are committed to getting out information to our listeners. We will continue to highlight the issues that impact all of us, and of course, that includes politics, law, health, business, education, finance, pop culture, and more. Our featured conversations on each episode will engage and keep you informed. Well, did you know that April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month? On this episode of LTA Radio, we will discuss this very real societal issue. Our featured guest is sexual assault prevention educator, Andrea Hughley. This episode is geared for every community member, and we hope it's a timeless conversation worth listening to over and over again, okay? Knowledge is power. There will be a brief break for a special announcement, and then Andrea Hughley will be on. We are discussing and highlighting sexual assault awareness. Stay with us. Tell a friend. Tired of going from store to store wasting gas just to attempt to find the perfect neckwear accessory for the special guy in your life? Well, TNN Bowties and Apparel has made it quite simple and convenient with a wide selection of quality and affordable bow ties online. You're bound to find the perfect item for any guy in your life with TNN bow ties and apparel. We do offer adorable bow ties for young boys, including infants. Don't waste your time standing in long lines. Shop with TNN bow ties and apparel for exclusive deals. Visit TNBowties.com. Again, that's TNBowties.com, where style meets purpose. 
Welcome back, listeners, to your national award-winning program, Let's Talk America. We want to put the spotlight on issues that concern you and your entire community, and April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And we certainly want to talk about this topic that can be very uncomfortable to many families out there, but it's one that is certainly pertinent and needed. I am no expert, but right now I'm honored to have Andrea Hughley on the show. She is a prevention educator with Southern Crescent Sexual Assault and Child Advocacy Center based in Georgia. Andrea, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. We are honored to have you on. We're talking about a very tough subject. Uh, April, as I mentioned, is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. I want to get to um, the simple facts first because I think a lot of people have different definitions of what they think sexual assault is. What exactly is sexual assault? So sexual assault is a sexual act, a sexual act in which a person is coerced or physically forced to engage in sexual acts against their will. Um, but I do want to point out that it can be any type of sexual touching. So that could mean rape. So and I think okay. most times when people think about sexual assault, they only think about rape and when someone is being physically, I'm mean, sorry, physically forced into a sex act. But something okay. like groping, touching someone in a sexual manner, um, child sexual abuse, all of that. Okay. Those things go into it. And so, and and I want to be clear, the definition does not just include sexual intercourse. You're saying other acts are involved in sexual assault as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And I think that needs to be laid out because I do think you're right. There's a perception by some in society that it it may be rape, uh, a brutal nature, which is very horrible. We know sensible people recognize that. But sexual assault can mean other things as well that may not always be visible to the naked eye. Right, Andrea? That's correct. That's correct. So, for example, and, you know, I don't want to, you know, sound too risque, but forced okay. sexual, uh, oral sex, forced oral sex, for example, that's think, sexual yes. assault. So, of course, that's okay. something that you wouldn't necessarily see. You can't see those injuries, but again, in itself, that's still sexual assault. How prevalent is sexual assault in our communities? Oh, unfortunately, it happens way more than it, we, than, than it should. You know, um, the statistics nowadays say that as far as adults, one in seven women will be sexually assaulted or raped at some point in their lifetime. And as it relates to children, it's actually one in ten children. And that kind of breaks down to one in four girls and one in four six, well, I'm sorry, one in six boys will be sexually assaulted before they reach adulthood. So it is. Wow. It's, it's, it's prevalent. It happens more, way more than, than it should. Mm, and, and, of course, the statistics we have, though that's what's reported, right? Mm, I mean, exactly. I, I would imagine something to this nature, Andrea, a, a lot of it probably wouldn't be. We have listeners right now that may have been identified as victims, and we probably have some that have never told anyone what happened to them. Would that be fair to assume? That's, that's very fair because, you know, and, and I didn't and didn't give a statistic on men, but men are, are victims of sexual assault as well. And, and I think the number for men is like 1 in 71 adult males are okay. victims of sexual assault, sexual assault. But the different the thing is that the number is so high because, you know, men don't report at the same rate as women. Wow. Um, so that number is probably, you know, a little far, seems a little far-fetched, but only because they don't report at the same rate as women. 
you know, let's talk about that because the next question for me was that I think when people think of sexual assault, they obviously many will think of women and girls. You just said yourself that males, boys and men, can be the victims of sexual assault as well, but it goes underreported. Yeah. Uh, there are lots of men listening to us right now. I, I'm a mother of boys myself. Uh, when I hear that, what can all of us do, from aunts to godmothers to uncles to grandfathers to educators and, and neighbors to, one, make sure we're having that conversation, not just with our daughters and nieces, but with our nephews and our sons as well, because like you just pointed out, it can happen. But a lot of us may be going blind with it because we're saying, well, they didn't say anything, so it didn't happen. How does a family encourage that conversation? Well, if it happens to that 12-year-old boy, he's just as comfortable, or maybe not even comfortable, but he's willing to tell us so we can help together come together as a village to amend this, this hurt. You know, and I think that one of the things that we have to start doing is having these conversations about sex in general, having those conversations early. And, of course, it can be age-appropriate. Of course, we're not going to talk to three- and four-year-olds about the same thing we would talk to teenagers about, but having those conversations early on, having those conversations about consent and what consent is. You, a preschooler can be taught about consent. You know, and, and what consent is is basically getting permission um, to do something. So if we start with our toddlers talking about, hey, you know, you want to get permission before you hug your classmate, that's teaching okay. them that I have to have consent. I have to have their permission before I do Powerful. something or if I touch their body. So having, teaching those things early, letting our boys know that, hey, when you're having that talk about sex, also have that talk about consent. If someone tells you to stop, let's stop. If they say okay. no, no means no. But also being open to letting them know that, hey, you can come to me and talk to me about anything. And not, you know, saying, you know not blaming, placing the blame. Well, what did you do? Okay. We shouldn't do those type of things. Yes. Absolutely. And, and I was reading an article recently uh, where a psychologist said the most powerful statement you can tell any victim of sexual assault, be it a 7-year-old, a 17-year-old, or a 47-year-old, is I believe you. Because to tell it takes an, an enormous amount of courage, I would imagine. And so we just really need to let them know that we are listening and we believe them. Mm -hmm. Would that be fair, as that expert said in that news article, to start there, Andrea? Absolutely, absolutely. We all, you know, you always want to let your the person know that you're supporting them, that you believe them, because it takes a lot for someone to even come out yes, and say that, you know, hey, this is going on or this happened to me. It takes a lot to say that. And then for them to build up all, you know, the, get the guts to come to finally say something. And then if somebody kind of shuts them down and blames them, okay. they're not going to oh, wow. they're not going to reach out for help ever again. So oh it's very important that we believe them whenever when they when they say things like that or they come to us because it's, again it's not something that they would just lightly say. And I want to bring this up because we have many different community members listening right now, and I think every guardian or aunt or uncle or grandmother or grandfather would like to believe that I would never doubt what they're saying. But let's put some real components in it. We need to be willing to listening to listen to this child or adult, regardless of who they're saying the perpetrator is. And Andrew, I bring that up because I think there's a notion that it would be someone outside the family, someone outside of our 
circle. It's going to be that stranger. But God forbid that it's ever said, but, but it, it is. We have to address it head on. We have to take care of it head on. We have to make sure those people are held accountable head on. We have so many things we have to do. But I, we also need to be willing to accept that it may be someone close, it may be someone they're related to, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And in most cases of sexual assault, unfortunately, the, the, the perpetrator is someone that, that the victim knows. And I think that, again, if we think about all the different movies and TV shows and we, we, do. we see rape, it's usually like a stranger or, you know, something yes. that looks yeah. weird or looks like something's obviously Absolutely. But That's trauma, I- yes, Hollywood. Right. In actuality, you know, a rapist could be could look like anyone because it can be anyone. It can okay. be the neighbor. It can be, you know, a, a boyfriend. It can be an uncle. It can be a grandparent. It okay. can be a football coach. It can be anyone. Okay. And so we, we, wow. we can't let our guards down around folks that we are with every single day, you know, because because it very well could it could be that person. And we and. and there are social workers, there are uh, prevention educators like yourself who are trained to take in that information and investigate. Obviously, most of us are not. Most godmothers and, and neighbors um, and, and cousins are not investigators trained as you. So even though we think, well, I'm going to believe them, I'm going to take it in, we do need to be careful and cautious with our responses, right, in terms of, well, let me ask him if that happened. You know, I don't believe my sister would do that. We need to be very conscious about saying those statements to that victim. Would you agree? I agree. And, and I, again, I think we, we, we need to be as supportive as possible when someone comes to us with this type of information. And so we do need to say, hey, I believe you. You know, I love you. And I want to make sure that we you're safe and that, that nothing else like that happens to you again. And we need to take charge and, and do if we if law enforcement they need to be de, be That's told right. we, need, yes, okay. we need to talk to them. That's so right. yes, we definitely want to don't want especially our kids. We don't want them to think that you know mom or whoever grandma auntie that they don't believe me. So we definitely want to show that we believe them, and we definitely don't I want see. to in front of them say I don't believe you or let me check first or things like that because you're already okay. saying without saying it you're saying That's that you don't. Right. Believe them. There's some doubt because right. it's hard for me to believe that my sister or my brother or um, that my best friend's uh, boyfriend would do this. Uh, my next question for you is a it's a very complicated one from my perspective. I want to ask you if prevention is possible, uh, but I want to piggyback with this. You said something just now that I think is powerful and needs to be echoed. You said we have to get law enforcement involved. And I think that's an important uh, point to highlight, Andrea, because I think there are families that may be saying, well, we're going to handle it eternally. Well, well, I'll make sure you're never around that cousin again, right? But when I think of prevention, it means that there are no other victims that have to fall to the horrible experience or experiences this individual has caused this child or this adult. And one way we do that is holding them accountable by getting law enforcement involved. Is that true? Would that be a part of the prevention route in your professional opinion? Well, and I'm going to say yes, and and I will point out, though, that, you know, law enforcement, as far as adults go, 
they don't always have to notify law enforcement with adults. Now, okay. children, that's a different story. Obviously, with children, we definitely want to make sure our children are taken care of. And so law enforcement, whether that's the um, local police department or okay. whether that's um, DFACS as well, um, Department of Family and Children's Services. So sometimes yeah. with children, we definitely have to have those folks involved to make sure that these children are happy and healthy and that these negative things don't impact them lifelong you know but with and, adults, and i want to point out it is uh-huh. a, it's a crime right and that's yeah, why it's definitely you have crime. to report it's not like saying well if we're going to handle it internally because it was an uncle you're saying though if there is an allegation um that has been vetted or not by that mom or dad there there, there is i would imagine that there's something out there saying you have to report this to the police to let the social workers and the police do their investigation. Is that true? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Because okay. sexual assault is a crime and it should be treated as a crime. It's not, you know, a sex act that someone wanted to have happen to them. Yeah. It's a crime. And so we definitely want to make sure that everyone understands that sexual assault is a crime. Okay. Again, it doesn't matter how small you think it may be, you know, touching someone, touching a child, touching someone without permission or consent is still a crime. So do you definitely want to make that crystal clear? Okay. Now you said when it came to adults, it's a different obligation. Tell us about that. If if there is if there's an adult woman of forty seven year old that's told us about an allegation of sexual assault, you're saying that is that treated different versus a seven year old telling us? That's correct. So an adult who's been sexually assaulted, of course, she has the right to or he or she has the right to call the call law enforcement or call the police to let them know that a crime has occurred. But they also have the right not to call the police and have them involved. However, they can still come in and receive those same services. So they are still entitled or um, to a rape kit. They're still entitled to counseling. They're still entitled to any of those other services, whether they they file a police report or not. Okay, so there is a difference, but to all guardians out there, I know educators automatically know social workers, but for babysitters or people watching a friend's kid, um, if those things are alleged by that child or stated, we have an obligation to report. Yes, absolutely. Okay, and thank you. you. Now, go ahead. I'm just sorry. Anyone that are caregivers to children, they're mandated by law to report any type of, of, of abuse sexual abuse, child, physical abuse, any type of abuse. So yeah. they're mandated by law. And if you don't, if you fail to act, then that could be, that could present another problem. Wow. And, and we want to do what's right. Going back to the prevention question, Andrea, is sexual assault, is that something that can be preventable? I know that's a complicated question. Yes, and it, it, I mean, it's, the short answer is yes, it, could pre- it can be prevented, but there are just so many different things that, would, that, that can be done in order to prevent it. And, you know, and I think being an educator, my number one thing is letting folks know to start the conversation early. Like I think I said that earlier in our conversation, but to start having those conversations early. I know when our kids are toddlers, we do the, you know, the whole body parts and head, shoulders, knees and toes, but we head, shoulders, knees, toes, vagina, penis. We need to add that in there. We need to let our kids know that it's okay to say that you have a vagina because that's what you have or whether you have a penis. We need to use those words because when you use other words, you know, those cute words like pocketbook and cookie and things like that sort, while that sounds cute, sometimes there have been cases where a child, a child has made an outcry of sexual abuse and it has been missed simply because they called their private part something else. I see. Not so what have, it should be called. 
it should be called what it is. It's a, it's a vagina, it's a penis. So yeah. if you say, and, uh, and I think that that needs to be pointed out, Andrea, because mm-hmm. you have parents who I, I think they, they are telling themselves they're doing a great job with their kids, mm-hmm. or you have guardians or grandparents that are saying, I am talking to them and we're reading books, but I, that may make some individuals from certain generations uncomfortable mm-hmm. calling body parts by their proper name, in particular the private uh, parts of females and males. But you're mm-hmm. saying we've got to find a way to come out of that, uh, that discomfort and make sure that child knows exactly what those body parts are, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Just example, if you, know, you have a child, uh, let's say you have a girl child that's calling it a cookie and she, she goes to school and she say, uh, my cousin touch my cookie. Obviously, a teacher would say, okay, you know, little Susie, go have a seat. That's fine. But what that child is, what they're missing is, is that that child is saying that their cousin touched her private parts. That's what then, so that's what's being missed. And so now you just dismiss this child, told him to go have a seat. And so now is she going to tell anybody again right away? Probably, maybe, maybe not. But but we're missing it. And may not, yeah. And may not understand there is something wrong with that happening mm-hmm. if the response is that, and it was just a miscommunication. So you said have the conversation early. Call mm-hmm. the body parts by their proper name, uh, making sure they understand what is their body. It's their right, right, to mm-hmm. um, have their body. Nobody else has the right to touch it inappropriately. I, I want to talk about a, a separate angle and somewhat mm-hmm. we're talking to children about sexual um, assault, about things that are not appropriate for parents out there listening that have children with special needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it is a special need of speech or other concerns. What would be your ideas or your tips on talking to that child, meeting them where they are, for them to also understand that it is not appropriate for people to violate their body parts? Okay, and just, you know, even with our special needs um, population, just letting them know as much as possible, going over, the again, the body parts and the personal body safety and saying, that, you know, you have parts on your body that no one should see or touch. Okay. And even if saying, you know, maybe someone may have to touch that body part maybe to help you, you know, go to the restroom or help with bath time. But letting them know that those are the only times that it would be okay. appropriate for someone to touch those. And if it happens any other time, you have to tell. You should tell someone. And then also letting them know that it's never okay to keep secrets. So if someone, could, you know, has touched them and said, hey, let's keep this a secret between us, but letting them know that, hey, a secret is never okay. So anytime somebody that's tells right. you to keep a secret, you have to go and tell, some, tell an adult. Wow. And, that, so, and that's key. No secrets. Mm-hmm. And, and I know you're saying this isn't, and let it be known, this isn't a conversation that's had once a year or once every five years. Isn't this something we need to be constantly putting into our kids just as we are with a multiplication chart or ABCs or phonics? It needs to be ongoing, right, Andrea? Definitely. It should be an ongoing conversation. It shouldn't be a one-time you know, time thing. It shouldn't be, oh, well, let's wait until you're 10, because I think most mm, yeah. um, you know, fifth graders, they start some sort of sex education at school, I think, in the fifth grade. So we don't want to wait until they're 10 because things happen in between time. So you definitely want to have this conversation ongoing. Start as young as they can understand what you're saying. So at two or three years old, start those conversations then. And again, letting it be an ongoing conversation so that by the time they get to fifth grade and they're having this conversation at school, that your kid is already ahead of the game. We want them to be ahead versus not knowing or depending on other fifth grade kids to tell them what's going on because obviously they don't have the correct information either. 
Correct. Correct, and so much misinformation. Mm-hmm. And, and I would, I know you would agree that sexual assault can happen at any age. So I think waiting till they're ten or eleven years old really would be too late. And I know you would agree as well, being an educator, that a lot of these conversations have to start at home. As yes. much as the schools and the educators within those classes are instrumental in our children's development and learning, we have to take some accountability at home, right? Absolutely, absolutely, because there's just, again, there's so much misinformation. Now, you know, I get a chance to go and work in the schools, specifically in the ninth grade um, health classes and, you know, teaching different things, and there's just so much information that the young folks do not have, and it's so much information that they don't get at school, unfortunately. You know, I know the state, we're limited with what they can teach, but there's just so many things that they don't get, and that conversation has to start at home. It has to. So important, like so many other topics out there. Before you go, we are in April putting the spotlight on um, Sexual Assault Awareness Month. We're on the line right now with Andrea Hewley, and of course she is a prevention educator with the Southern Crescent Sexual Assault and Child Advocacy Center in Georgia. They do some great work that organization does. I've seen them in the community making a difference. Andrea, the summer months are quickly approaching. Parents are perhaps considering camps or internships or jobs for their kids. Or maybe they're going to stay in daycare or daycare camps. And we say, well, you know, it's, it's places where the children will be or there's tutoring programs. We know they're safe. Give us some quick tips for parents uh, that may be helpful in vetting these organizations or making sure, again, that we're using some logic here to making sure our kids are around individuals um, that can seem safe, although we know you can seem uh, one way but things can turn out different. But I know you would advise keeping some of those common sense approaches when we're making sure we know who our kids are around, right? Right, right, right. So we definitely want to make sure that the or, the places or the organizations that we're sending our kids for summer camp, we definitely want to make sure that the, the folks that are charged with taking care of our kids, that they have some type of background check policy in place. Okay. Um, now, obviously, background checks don't catch everything, and I will say that. Yes. However, um, you definitely want to have a place that, that regularly checks their, their employees. So I okay. know that there are some places that that may, you know, they try to skirt those policies, but you definitely want to make sure it's a place like that. Um, Also, you just want to make sure that you are asking every day, hey, tell me about camp. What happened at camp? Um, But letting them know that they can tell you anything and and letting them know that if someone says or does, does something that makes them uncomfortable to always come home and tell. So don't keep yes. those things a secret. Don't wait later. Even that sometimes that happens and that's okay. But as soon as possible, they need to, to be letting somebody know if somebody has done or said something that made them uncomfortable. Wow. And, and that's a good point. And, and I think so many times we may focus on the physical part of it and the sexual assault, but I think you bring up a good point. Let's also make sure we're having dialogue with our children if there's anything being inappropriate stated, right, Andrew? Because this is me, not an expert like you, but I would imagine maybe some of it for some perpetrators, it can start by saying inappropriate things and would they necessarily work their way up to other things maybe, not trying to be overly uh, paranoid, but would some people perhaps work like that? Well, yeah, because there's this thing, this thing called grooming that we, we talk about, and it's, it's like yeah. people, a person that who, who sets out to harm or a child, whether that be sexually or physically, physically they sometimes do things to kind of test the waters. 
so to speak. So, okay. okay, well, let me just make this inappropriate comment and see how they respond to it. Or let me just, you know, put my arm on their shoulder or touch their back to see how they respond to that. And okay. if they feel as though the kid is, oh, it's not that big of a deal, then they sometimes go a little further and see how far, far they can get with doing those type of things. So, again, wow. definitely having, you know, just having those conversations of asking, hey, tell me about your day. What happened? You know, not necessarily trying to pick something out of them, but to just ask those general questions of how was your day? What did you all do? What kind of activities did you all engage in? Okay. That's important, keeping that dialogue open. We are um, uh, certainly a media outlet that loves our community, but we have to be realistic. Everyone in our communities, right, Andrea, are not nice people all the time. Um, but I think you said this before, uh, they don't necessarily look like the strange person that Hollywood movies could depict. These could be smiling, professional, educated, charismatic, likable people that can be perpetrators of sexual assault, right? That's absolutely correct. Yes. So keep that in mind and, and have a healthy dose of skepticism when we're dealing with other grown-ups and adolescents and teens around our children, right? Yes, because, you know, and, you know, trust that, that gut instinct. If something doesn't seem right, then it probably isn't. So trust that. And, you know, and, and same with your kids, letting them know the same thing. If something doesn't seem right, then it's probably not right. Wow. And never keep secrets, as you said. Yeah. Never, never. That is never appropriate or acceptable. What a, a resourceful and formative conversation, Andrea. Just in time for April Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Unfortunately, as you know, the organization you work for, you know all too well that sexual assault crimes happen um, throughout the entire year. But we certainly want to dedicate an entire episode to a very important societal concern. Uh, for our national listeners out there uh, that want more information, maybe they were... Um, the victims of sexual assault maybe 30 years ago, uh, maybe it was last year, maybe they just want more information on educating their son or their daughter or their grandkid on this hideous crime, where can they go for additional information? Yeah, so there are dozens of uh, resources online. But a few of our favorite that we like to, you know, tell everybody about. So, of course, you have your National Sexual Violence Resource Center. So they have a website. It's um, nsvrc.org. Um, also, rain.org. That's R-A-I-N-N.org. We, they have a lot of information on their website that you can go on and just kind of go through the website and get a lot of information, you know, how to start the conversation with your kids, just tons of of resourceful resourceful information. So you can definitely check out those too, but there's definitely a lot more. Um, You can just basically, you can Google um, sexual assault resources and uh, I'm sure a few hundred will pop up, but those are just our favorites. Wow, and some credible information as well. And I think, as you know, we love the Internet, but the Internet has information that may not always be fully true. But we also need to remember that with our friends, our children, and their peers. Peers can be uh, great kids in many ways, but sometimes they may be spreading false information as well. Right, Andrea? Correct. That's correct. That's correct. We just want to definitely (laughs) know what can be out there. So we definitely, as far as, you know, children, we want to monitor what they're they're seeing because, you know, coming with these summer months, you know, they're going to be at home or at camp and they're going to be away from from the parents. And so, of course, they have Mm -hmm. these smartphones and and tablets and all of those other other technology devices. But we definitely want to know what our kids are watching and, and, you know, we want to know what their friends are watching as well because your kids may be watching some good stuff, but the friend may not. So you definitely just want to keep a check on what they're watching and being able to view on those phones and tablets and other things. 
Wow. Powerful information. Thank you for all you're doing, Andrea Hughley. And we will speak with you soon. Keep up the great community work. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome back, everyone. I hope that you picked up some great information from this very timely segment on Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton. Stay with us for Versatile News Talk. We put out episodes often, so always remember to check back on our website at ltaradio.com. Remember, we have a hashtag out there on social media. Simply use the hashtag LTA Radio, LTA Radio, or you can search for the hashtag to find information related to our program on every social media outlet. Remember, we offer digital media for a real person in a very real world. All right, everyone, talk to you soon. Keep the conversation going because information matters. You're tuned in to Let's Talk America Radio.